Hi everyone, this is Carmen. And Christina. This is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And I have a little bit of everything today, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I was telling you before we hit record that I had been wanting to do this topic for a long time. going to be talking about the bath riots. Oh, you've been talking about wanting to do that for a while. Like a long time, like you just said. <laughs> that is what I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do it because this, ha- this happened back in January. And I wanted like to do, oh, on the day that it happened. Oh and I was like, God, please, January? we can't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. We... Like some some podcasts do that, like, oh, on this day, this happened or this happened on this week. Like, no, this is I can't um, because I always find topics after they already happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this one, I was just waiting on the book and it hadn't arrived in time for me to read it. So, yeah, the bath riots. Before I talk about the bath riots, I do want to briefly remind everyone about eugenics because the bath riots are informed by eugenics is that does that make sense like the bath riots make sense because of the eugenic policies and beliefs that were happening yeah like it was it was uh they're like eugenics was like a cause of the bath riots eugenics caused the bath riots yeah yeah or caused the baths that caused the riots to the baths yeah yeah that's a given to me yeah so just you know a little context because I, i think context never hurts i think it always adds that's why it exists (laughs) that's why it's context (laughs) the literal definition of context exactly yes (laughs) I've never agreed with you more (laughs) so dumb I'm sorry everyone I'm I'm dead inside again I think I have to take my second dose of my Um. so if I'm a little rambly and whatever that's why I'm here for it yeah me too anyway so we did talk a lot more about this in our first sterilizations ta- uh, episode it was the sterilizations in california mostly because ov- obviously you sterilizations were happening because of the eugenic beliefs of the time but i just want to that was a while ago so i just want to remind mm-hmm. everyone about it so again eugenics the official definition of it is the study of how to arrange reproduction within a human population to increase the occurrence of heritable characteristics regarded as desirable. This was largely developed by Sir Francis Galton as a method of quote-unquote improving the human race. Eugenics was increasingly discredited as a unscientific and racially biased science during the 20th century, especially after the adoption of its doctrines by uh, the Nazis in order to justify what they did to Jewish people, disabled people, and minority groups. Yeah. And that's like the Oxford Dictionary definition. Mm-hmm. And what this definition and many definitions fail to acknowledge is that eugenics largely grew as a science and practice in the United States. In the U.S. of A. Mm-hmm. They are all American, baby. <laughs> and the... The eugenic practices of this country inspired Nazis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, the the bath, the practices during of the bath riots of what I'm going to be talking about, like directly inspired 
them to do the same kind of showers to disinfect Jewish people in the ghettos, like, you know, Warsaw and all those places. This is this is where they got the idea. Like eugenicists here in the United States were writing letters with Nazi doctors who then were like, wow, you guys are so smart. I love what you're doing over there. We're going to start doing it, too, because like this is genius. We love it. We're yep. going to use it. Yeah. So and like <laughs> that's left out of like everything. You know, I would have appreciated learning that when we learned about the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Like why couldn't they just add in a little sentence like, by the way, these ideas, a lot of them came from the United States. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but no, no. Here we are decades later, like shocked at the shit that we didn't learn. Yeah. And there's people well and alive today that believe, believe in eugenics. <laughs> like, still, still yeah. it's like embarrassing, Even honestly. Uh, yeah. For like, them. After all, after all this time. <laughs> Like your literal brain is from the 1800s. Like you're <laughs> literally so stupid. Who's who's dumb here? Like who's really <laughs> dumb actually? Like you haven't evolved um, from the 1800s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And like I said in that first sterilizations episode that we had, these this belief system, it spawned things like the sterilization laws, which then also inspired Nazis to enact the same laws on Jewish people. So, you know, those laws existed, which then Mexicans, indigenous people, black people were all being sterilized against their will. Right. And then like in the same time frame, IQ tests were administered to all these groups of people who then and because these IQ tests are largely racist. And I mean, obviously, the inception of IQ testing is racist. And these tests, these type of tests then were used to say, oh, that's why we're white people are smarter. Just look at how low all these other groups are testing on the tests we make specifically for white people. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Wow, shocking. So IQ tests were, di- and, and I, I did go into IQ testing in that episode too, but like in certain locations, they were like, oh, all Mexicans have an average of 78.1 in IQ testing. So they're obviously feeble minded. <laughs> they didn't do these tests on everyone either. Like, yeah, they were just, yeah. And so these, this testing was then used to keep Mexicans out of the United States because they're like, oh, we can't let in feeble minded people. And then also these, and again, I already talked about it in that episode, but these tests were then used to institutionalize people into asylums because they were feeble-minded, supposedly, mm-hmm. according to IQ testing. That sometimes was not even in their language. Yeah. I could go on about that, but I will not because this is all context to talk about the bath riots. So all of these types of beliefs paired with like a tiny typhus outbreak that was happening at the time, rationalized the need for quote-unquote, delousing stations. So this is where people were disinfected uh, from lice. Mm -hmm. And I think I also talked a little bit about it in that first episode too, how the dirty Mexican stereotype, really, they thought, white people thought Mexicans were the ones bringing all in this disease. But like in places like the Panama border, which was again in Panama, not in Mexico anyway, (laughs) aside from that, they were... They were only keeping American campsites safe. They were safeguarding those for mosquitoes, but not the other ones because they're like, oh, they're from this land. They should be immune to this disease already, which is not how things work. Yeah. And so because they were not disinfecting, not disinfecting, they were not preventing the spread of mosquitoes in the other campsites. Then the disease was spreading in those campsites, obviously. Yeah. But they were (laughs) they used that to justify like 
they're just dirtier and that's why they're spreading these diseases. And so they took what they learned in the Panama Canal and brought it over here. And they were like, oh, all these Mexicans are bringing in these diseases. So we need to cleanse where mm-hmm. Mexicans are coming in from, like the border. And so these delousing stations were placed at the Santa Fe and not not just the Santa Fe Bridge, but that's just where the bath riots take place. But all over the border, there was these delousing stations where Mexican um, workers coming in, uh, coming in from Mexico to Texas or Mexico to the United States, not vice versa. So only Mexico into the United States is where this was all taking place. So these, you know, dirty, dirty ass Mexicans were bringing in these diseases and they needed to be cleaned. And so they used, um, and I already said this, I put it in my notes here again, but I said it earlier that these same type of cleaning stations were then used in Germany on Jewish people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and really like typhus and they were all doing this to like say, oh, they're all bringing typhus in. And like at the time in 1917, there was only like three Mexicans that had typhus. Mm. And really the bigger disease to worry about was the Spanish flu, which is now suggested that it actually originated in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not in Spain. No, Mm. and not by Mexicans either. Mm -mm. So like they were worried about the wrong group of people and they were not doing anything to stop the Spanish flu, just to stop typhus Mm -hmm. from Mexicans at the border when there was no, the numbers were not the same. Like 10,000 Mexicans in El Paso died from the Spanish flu. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, like, you know, like, what's it called? The pandemic? Pandemic? I don't know. Pandemic? Which one is worse? Uh, I don't pandemic, think right? it's a matter of what's worse. Endemic no. just means that it's been there for a long time. It's like endemic mm. to the region. Oh, okay. Zika. Yeah. Endemic in certain oh. areas. Yes, you're right. Yeah. From I remember that from the one public health class I took. I took that. I took some classes like that too. And I, don't I think you took more than me. <laughs> yes, a lot more. You should know. I remember this. some things. <laughs> no. Anyway, <laughs> I'm cutting all that. Anyway, also from sorry, it's because I I used to listen and I haven't listened in a while. Oh yes, I know to that one podcast. About. This um will kill you or something like that. Yeah. About disease. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I should listen to them again. I know it's because I never listen to uh, or use um, Apple Podcasts because if the app fucking sucks. Oh, um, we use Spotify, always right? on me. Yeah. And then I keep forgetting to look for them on Spotify to subscribe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So yeah, Mexican workers were being sprayed down through. We're going through this delousing procedure at the Santa Fe Bridge, even though they were not bringing in the disease that was killing the most people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and like the mayor of El Paso, um, Tom Lea, Leah, I don't know how to say his name. Fuck him. Anyway, he sent a telegram to D.C. And in his telegram, he was demanding a quarantine because of typhus. And he wrote in his telegram, hundreds of dirty, lousy, destitute Mexicans are oh my God. arriving at El Paso daily, would undoubtedly bring and spread typhus unless the quarantine is, were placed at once. <laughs> This sounds like it could be written today by who's the Texas Abbott? Gab- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say call him Gabbit. <laughs> just combine Greg and Abbott. Gabbit. Oh, I was like, is that a thing that people do? I've never haven't heard that. No, I just accidentally oh. combined it in my mind. And I was going to say Gabbit. <laughs> Gabbit, of course. Fuck him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And when the delousing began in 1917, 127,000 Mexicans were subjected to it. So this involved Mexicans 
forcibly stripping down naked and turning their clothes in to be sterilized. And I'm like, this is on quotations, the word sterilized. Mm -hmm. So the clothes was to be sterilized in a bath filled with gasoline and formaldehyde. Then it was put in an an industrial dryer and fumigated with hydrocyanic, cyanic? hydrocyanic acid sorry that's a hard word mm-hmm. hydrocyanic acid sulfuric acid ddt and zyklon b zyklon b is what was later used by nazis in gas chambers wow and they like literally directly got that idea from these delousing stations and they're like let's fine-tune this yeah let's how can we make this <sighs> 10 times worse more efficient mm-hmm. from their perspective their perspective not ours (laughs) obviously no (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) and uh, they had to stand naked in front of a customs inspector who then inspected each mexican person in their quote-unquote hairy parts oh my god mm -hmm. Um, i hate this (sighs) yeah their head and hair was uh, inspected armpits and genital areas if flies were found the person was shaved and then bathed in kerosene and vinegar. Kerosene? Yes. Though sometimes the person didn't need to be found with lice to be bathed. They would walk through an area naked that was sprayed, that was sprayed oh them with God. kerosene. Yeah. Like, what did that do to people? I'm sure you're going to tell me. Um, actually, I could not find oh. accounts of what it did to people's skin. I will say that I did find, I think the book that I used for the... Um, sterilizations episode mentioned the because the, the braceros were sprayed with the same kind of stuff before entering into the United States mm-hmm. they were they, it was it was like in powder form and they had to put el polvito is even like how they refer to it mm-hmm. and it, like a lot of people like were like really itchy after mm-hmm. but I couldn't really find anyone talking about like long-term health or anything yes. like that but uh, that cannot there be There had good. to have been. I mean, kerosene yeah. is like toxic, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I, I, and but they, they didn't know what was in the in this yeah. stuff either, you know. Um. So I'm, they, even if they had problems later, like, what could they tie it to? They could be like, yeah, yeah. So, um, when researching this, because I, I think I saw like a video on the bath riots, but it was like a one minute video, and um, then. So I was like, I need to know more. And I was looking at information, looking for information. And that's when I found the book, this book that I showed you, Carmen. Ringside Seat to a Revolution, an Underground Cultural History of El Paso and Juarez, 1893 to 1923. Fascinating book. Lots of stories. The Bath Rites is just a section in this. And it's written by historian David Dorado Romo. And he, in the book, before he starts talking about the bath riots, he talks about how he even found out about this. So he's saying that they were having dinner as a family, all of them, like a big family party. And his great aunt, Adela Dorado, was telling everyone about how once a week she came over from El Paso to, um, sorry, from Juarez to El Paso to clean houses. And once a week, she had to go through this, like, line where she had to get um her clothes were taken from her and she had to go through that the this thing that sprayed them with something and then their clothes were put into an industrial dryer and when david was hearing all this he was like "Mm, this sounds like a lie like surely (laughs) if my aunt and a bunch of mexicans were forced to strip down naked he's like i would learn about it yes exactly what he thought and he also yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) He also thought dryers 
we're not that old. <laughs> He's like, surely my tia Adela's older than dryers. Like, dryers are new. There's no way her clothes were put into a dryer. <laughs> dryers didn't exist back then. <laughs> and he was like in his young teens when he yeah, heard yeah, this. Yeah. In high school. So he was like, why haven't I learned about this in school? Oh, like, we, we talked mm. about the gas chambers. Like, this sounds similar. And I would have known, right? So he he blew it off. He's like, no, Matiadela, she's exaggerating. She's just being chismosa and lying. <laughs> the, I added those words. He didn't say that, but he did say he thought she he thought she was exaggerating. Mm-hmm. Later, when he was doing some research for some reason, he was in D.C. in like the National Library, and he was looking through the National Archives, and he found pictures exactly mm-hmm. of what his tia Adela is talking about, and he was shocked. And here I'll I'll, I'll um send this to you as well. But he found like these, this. Oh, okay. And he was like, what the hell is that? So it's just a picture of naked men. Yeah. And, and people in coats are looking through their hair. And he was like, this is literally what she was saying. And he was like, what the fuck? And that inspired him to write this book. And I'm grateful because this is probably the most information I have found on this day. Mm. This deal I was seeing, it went on for, for decades, even after the, the bath showers themselves were over uh, at the border like i mentioned braceros were still forced to put this powder on them mm-hmm. when they came into work in the u.s and um so it it went on and and officials knew how dangerous these practices were like this is fucking horrible the next like bit mm. so trigger warning for um burning alive and d- horrible deaths mm. so on March 5th, 1916, the city health department of El Paso, they filled two tubs with the same shit, the same shit that I mentioned earlier, same shit they always put in there to delouse El Paso city prisoners. And so the prisoners, like, you know, like usual, they were stripped naked. Their clothes were soaked in that solution. Um, this time that it contained gasoline, creosote. I don't know what that is. Mm. And then formaldehyde. I'm assuming it's like just another type of like poison, whatever. See, it's um, derived from the distillation of tar from wood and coal and it's used as a wood preservative. Mm, Lovely. Let's put that on people. Mm. Perfect. (laughs) On top of that, they so their clothes was in a tub with that stuff. On top of that, the inmates were then ordered into another tub. This one was filled with gasoline, coal, oil and vinegar. Oh, my God. Gasoline. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you just imagine soaking yourself in gasoline? Fucking painful. For some unknown reason, maybe they were going to have a smoke. I don't know why. But someone lit a match at 3.30 p.m. And because the air was full of these chemicals, um, like you could smell it in the in the room. And the second the, the match was lit, fire like literal seconds oh my god like who in the right mind would do that yeah a prison guard later blamed it on a dead prisoner but like it was probably oh, okay the prisoner yeah. had a cigarette and a lighter mm-hmm. or whatever Why would match. yeah yeah whatever but um yeah everything was in flames in a matter of seconds the kerosene and gasoline tubs exploded 50 naked prisoners caught on fire Oh, my God. Many other prisoners who were not uh, being put through the baths themselves were locked inside of their cells. 
the floors of each cell, it was so hot that whoever was standing, their feet like melted. The sole of their feet melted off. Oh my God. One prisoner, Ernesto Molina, he was within a few feet of one of the tubs. He was seen running across the courtroom, leaving bloody footprints until he leapt out of a window to like try and save himself. Oh my God. It's fucking terrible. Firefighters arrived at the scene, but the metal floors of the prison were so hot that their boots melted and they could not enter. Wow. The odor of burning human flesh filled the air. One prisoner, Diego, was in uh, who was in jail for selling empty bottles. Oh, my God. That was God. his crime. He was able to escape and he uh, then ran naked through the river into Juarez. And that's how he survived. He like jumped straight into the river. Men who were still alive but on fire were begging to be shot when a uh, police officer arrived oh uh, to God. be put out of their misery. 27 prisoners died. 19 were Mexican. One was black and the rest were probably like homeless uh, Anglos. Wow. Or un- unidentified. They just didn't know. That is horrible. Yeah. Can you imagine just seeing? Oh, my God. Well, it reminded me of the incident that happened. Where was it? In Juarez? No. Oh, uh, yes. It was. Um, yeah, it has was to it? be. I think it was. It was I recent it was. and it was like a border town. Yeah. Asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow a fire started. We don't know um, exactly. And then they were trapped. No one even like attempted to help them yeah. or call. That's and it's horrible. like it's. It seemed intentional, mm-hmm. obviously. Otherwise, help would have arrived sooner. Yeah, horrible, horrible stuff. When Mexican revolutionaries heard what had happened, many tried to cross into El Paso to defend fellow Mexicans. Mm. The Americans deemed that the fire was an accident, but like no one believed them. <laughs> one pamphlet published by the Latin American News Association wrote the following... The mayor of the city of El Paso announced that the whole thing was an unavoidable accident and that nobody was to blame. These kind of accidents happen pretty often to Mexicans in Texas. <laughs> He's like, what a coincidence. Wow, weird. <laughs> wow, this doesn't happen to white people. We could not have prevented this because like filling these tubs with all these chemicals, unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Please. An investigation was done, but, like, the mayor didn't even attend this investigation. Because he don't give a fuck. Or he didn't, I mean. The city was deemed not responsible for the fire. One survivor tried to sue the city, and he could not find a single lawyer in El Paso to take the case. Like, nobody cared. No one was held accountable for this fire because, like, after all, to them, it was just a bunch of Mexicans and one, quote, Negro, unquote. (sighs) Pancho Villa heard of this. (laughs) Oh. Again, this is all in the backdrop of the Mexican Revolution. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all happening at the same time. So, Pancho Villa heard about this and when he was on his way to Columbus, New Mexico. And when, so there was, he had like white prisoners with him um, that they were captured and like forced to travel with them. Mm-hmm. And one of these prisoners told, later told um, news reporters that Pancho Villa said he would make the Anglos pay for what they did to Mexicans during that fire because he believed that this fire was on purpose. Mm. And four days after the fire, when Villa and his troops or did arrive to Columbus, New Mexico, they set fire to the main buildings and killed 17 Anglos. Damn. 
Um, and like that happened in what did I say? Nineteen sixteen. Nineteen sixteen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it was nineteen sixteen. So like Mexicans knew how dangerous these baths were because of stories like that that happened to Mexicans. Uh, on top of that. Some people, you know, said like their skin was weird after and sure. then Mexican. Yeah. Mexican women were subjected to harassment during the inspections. Ugh, of um, course. Of course. Yeah. And there was even customs officers taking pictures of naked Mexican women and oh then spreading god. them around. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like on top of the humiliation of just being subjected to this. Of course, it had to be like extra, you know, harassment yeah. and sexual abuse uh mm-hmm. for the women yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah their pictures were spread around saloons bars barber shops while people just joked that about is this disgusting like absolutely disgusting absolutely horrible um so knowing all this now we arrive at january 28 1917 17-year-old Carmelita Torres a red-haired Mexican is how she was described <laughs> And again, 17. She was 17? 17, yeah. Oh, okay. She was a Juarez resident who crossed every day into Juarez to clean houses. She was a maid. And um, so there was, from the El Paso side, there was a trolley, a streetcar that took them into El Paso. And then out of the streetcar, they were pulled out to go into the delousing procedures. So she was on the streetcar when customs officials asked her to get off the trolley and go into the baths. Carmelita Torres refused. She got off the streetcar and then 30 other women got off with her. Wow. <laughs> and they they protested the baths. One hour later, the 30 women were now 200 Mexican women. Wow. 30 to 200. <laughs> In an hour. Wow. Yeah. They blocked all the traffic on the bridge. And then newspapers later reported that by noon, the 200 women had then turned into several thousand. Wow. And then they marched into the disinfection camp. And when immigration and public health officials tried to disperse the crowd, they were met with bottles, rocks and insults. Okay, okay, I'm here for it. One Fort Bliss commander, General Bell, ordered soldiers onto the scene. But that didn't stop the women. There was even like a sergeant later who was like, I got a cut in my face because they threw a rock at his face. The woman, they threw rocks oh, at me. No, woman. <laughs> um, newspapers later referred to the women as Amazons. <laughs> Love it. I know. Here for it. <laughs> they uh, laid down on the tracks to stop the rest of the streetcars from passing wow. the bridge. Mm-hmm. Then... They got up off the floor and then took the controls that, you know, drove the streetcars from the conductors. They snatched it out of their hands. Damn. One driver tried to run back down the bridge to the El Paso side and four women stopped him and like jumped him. (laughs) (laughs) He ended up with a black eye. (laughs) Oh, man. And then American troops couldn't stop them. And um, so, again, this is all happening during the Mexican Revolution. And although some Mexicans were like Pancho Villa and all taking sides, you know, there was the people against Pancho Villa who were, I forgot their, I've said this so many times. The president was Carranza and mm. they were called like Carrancistas or something. Oh, or Carranzas, like after remember that name. they were on mm-hmm. his side. Yeah. So a, a group of these um, led by General Francisco Mur- Murgia. 
showed up. His squadron was called the Escuadron de la Muerte. Thanks. And even they could not stop the women. Wow. <laughs> they could like they couldn't do they couldn't quell it. So they, they showed up to quash the women like for yeah. the US. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, because uh, I mean and again, the, the Mexican Revolution is so... There's so much to it. Mm -hmm. What episode... I must have been... Did we did we go deeper into Las Adelitas after my episode on Las mm. Adelitas from Spooky Tales? Have we done... I have, I have I talked remember. about... I know that we've talked there was about just, it here and there. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think maybe Amelio Robles when we talked oh, about Oh, I was going to say that right now. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit more, but there is so much to the Mexican Revolution. There was so many sides, but mm -hmm. one side was a little more pro-American because it benefited the rich Mexicans to be that way, right? And so they did go arrive to um help Okay, I see. quell this rebellion because it was also on the on the border and yeah. part of it was on Mexico's side too mm, I see I see and, and it's believed that then it wasn't just women like this lasted until the next day until the 29th of January and it, by then there was also men involved in the riots and they believe it was believed that those were Pancho Villa supporters oh. so with more reason mm -hmm. the squadron was like there but yeah they when it was on the 28th they couldn't stop the women either okay. um but like slowly both sides enacted like things to stop the riot basically like the mexican cavalry showed up and then the, the ciudad juarez police they were mm -hmm. arresting protesters so it, they did manage to like quell this rebellion right and then but then after that mexican workers were refusing to cross the bridge into el paso so then employers who then needed this this Mexican labor talked to the Chamber of Commerce to fix the problem. And then soon enough, like there was a it was announced that they Mexican workers only needed a certificate of health from and, and this was they could use a certificate of health given by a Mexican official, okay. not just the United States. And so then the baths were slowly, slowly, slowly like used less and less. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they didn't, if, if they had this certificate of health, it was good for a week. Mm -hmm. And then they had to just bring a new certificate of health every mm -hmm. time they crossed the border. But then on top of that, um, in 1917, the immigration act that we have already talked mm -hmm. about in our immigration episode yeah. that passed. And so there was a test, a liter literacy test required for them to legally cross back and forth. And so the back and forth that was like very normal, it really, really stopped. And mm. less and less Mexicans legally entered. And so they weren't subjected to baths at the border. Though, again, I will add that the baths still happened at like the, during the Bracero program. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't, they didn't go away. And uh, before I get too ahead of myself, the El Paso Times apparently found this all funny and they wrote headlines like all this commotion just because a bunch of Mexicans didn't want to take a bath. It's not a bath, you bitches, you yeah. raggedy bitches. I swear to God. Exactly. This yeah. is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Would you want to be doused in fucking chemicals and fucking yeah. kerosene? Yeah. Like Seriously. That's exactly what I wrote too. like what you just <laughs> said. Like, of course, they weren't the ones put through this and and not not only that but the inspections were humiliating yeah and then a lot of clothing was destroyed through the dryer and then all of this like knowing that white people are the ones who don't shower like I, uh, to this day to this day <laughs> they literally brag about how little they shower <laughs> yeah oh um 
my dermatologist told me that I don't have to scrub my legs. Um, it's called rundown water, and it's it just washes. It runs down the legs, and that's and enough. Them. That's yeah. enough. I'm sorry. Scrub between your fucking toes. Like. Um, was I watching? I think it was Queer Eye, and there's this one guy, uh, older white guy. His knees were so dark, and you know they're not mean on that show or anything. So then, um, yeah, I forgot their name. Oh, like his rodillas. I thought you were saying like a niece and nephew. No, no. Sus rodillas. JBN is how I just remember (laughs) their name. (laughs) But, you know, the hairstylist. Um, Jonathan Van. Yes. Van Ness, I think. Yeah. Um, I just remember (laughs) JBN (laughs) for some reason. But um, they were like, oh, you just need to, um, you know, scrub your knees with like a cloth or like a loofah um, and uh-huh. that will, that should go away. So I was like, this man, that's built up for, from how many years? <laughs> yeah. From not yeah. scrubbing your knees. And then, we, and then we get stories from like celebrities just sharing for some reason how they like, oh, my kids don't bathe. And you know what? When they go in the pool, they don't bathe. I'm sorry after the pool a shower is necessary or my i my skin feels itchy and dry so i'm just i'm convinced they they make this shit up but maybe not i don't know but yeah like there was a like it was like a year ago or more now but dax shepherd and kristen yeah. bell were like we don't bathe our kids and then like i think like Ashton and then me yeah yeah came out saying mm-hmm. the same thing like oh unless they're super visibly dirty <laughs> it's like you know what for non-famous kids that's a <laughs> neglect report <laughs> like ridiculous and we said this in our other episode on sterilizations but i think the reason that um at least with um us growing up like you had to look clean you had to and there was so much emphasis on looking clean i think stems from maybe the the, first the belief of the dirty mexican second um cps reports on um minority groups um you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it all it all generational trauma you know (laughs) yeah but before I get too ahead of myself again, the efforts of the Amazon, the Amazons, the Amazon women and Carmelita Torres, it was largely forgotten and unknown. I could not find any information on what happened with Carmelita Torres after this day. All I know is that she was the instigator of all of this. She mm-hmm. was the first one to refuse to do a bath. And then the rest of the women followed. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find any more information on her. Um yeah, their efforts largely forgotten. These types of baths and sprays were continued to use across the United States until the 1950s, at least, and uh, directly inspired um, Nazis to to do their terrible chemical showers that resulted in the deaths of many Jewish people. So, or genocide. Yeah. So, um, it's uh, it's sad, really. That I mean, they. The, this this uprising lasted a day and a half almost actually almost two days almost two days mm-hmm. and and we don't even hear Carmelita Torres's name now she's talked about as the Latina Rosa Parks oh <laughs> and there is there I don't even think there's a picture of her anywhere let me just double check my book I'm gonna pee while you oh these are the dryers before you go oh okay yeah, I I can I there's no information on what happened to 
with Carmelita Torres after. I will say I'm going to also post a picture of this New York or not sorry, El Paso Morning Times um, news article. Mm-hmm. But it's titled Auburn Haired Amazon at Santa Fe Bridge Leads Feminine Outbreak. Um, I love that. Iconic. <laughs> I'm going to tattoo that. <laughs> wow. The whole thing. The whole phrase. Yeah. The whole thing. Auburn Haired Amazon. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Leads feminine. Um, what? Oh, um, at Outburst. Santa Fe Street Bridge leads feminine outbreak. Oh, outbreak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, not really much is known after. There is a Casa Carmelita named after her. This is a, a home for uh, trans migrants. Oh, okay. Um, I think I've heard so of this place. Love that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, nothing is known. I'll also send you a drawing of her that was... I need to see this. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are no pictures of her. All we know is that she was an auburn hair, 17-year-old Mexican. Wow. I wish we knew more about her. Like, what happened? Right? What what became of her? But we don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing. What I do know, though, that's a... I mean, she was only 17. So I can only imagine that she lived a strong-willed uh, yeah, full life. life. Mm-hmm. full life or hopefully but yeah i don't know i don't know we don't know well i am honored to share my name with her <laughs> yes yeah but yeah i mean i wish we knew more so but yeah i've been i have been wanting to talk about this for a while just because the whole thing is so inspiring and i got chills just reading about it like mm-hmm. oh you mean these these women were all like beating these men up <laughs> please more of this <laughs> Please let this happen again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that is my uh, episode. For today. Right. Well, I um, am glad you finally got to talk about this. Mm-hmm. It was interesting and inspiring for sure. And thank you everyone for listening. Unless you have something else to say or add. No, I still have not written any like bukele updates. There are oh, some for okay. sure, but I have not yeah other than we slowly see dictatorship mm-hmm. on on blast like or on full or i don't know what the right term is but before oh, i saw and i haven't looked more into it other than reading like short articles about it and posts something about the la Times. well there Ugh, the actually LA- i was gonna say that the la times uh, published a, an opinion piece like a pro on bukele. someone literally fucking compared bukele to like oh, i saved it hold on it's, it's embarrassing insane. honestly how how would they even do this well no i'm not surprised they they regularly publish the work of someone who call, refers to salvadorians as with a slur um bukele has leadership qualities similar to those of fidel castro patrice lumumba fela cuti miguel le, le larenaga and simon bolivar what do, what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> Someone wrote um, that that was the coolest line, but the next one is worse. Bukele goes against the grain and he is no puppet. And someone wrote, so to U.S. conservatives relying on tried and true militarism and criminalizing the poor is going against the grain. <laughs> that is the grain. That is the I norm. Know. I was going to say he goes against the, the grain of democracy <laughs> yeah. and of human rights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, the person who wrote this, his name is Randy Jurado Earl or some shit. Oh. I don't know. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. This guy is the author of The Lives and Times of El Cipitillo, which I was going to mention. Oh, I saw somebody tells, mention. But I will not. <laughs> and this person, someone um, tagged him in one of my TikToks. And then he sent me a message like about the book and like if we could like talk about it. But no, I will not. I not will anymore. not support not that. The, <laughs> no. Wow. No. What a clown. Truly, and it's truly clown behavior to um, cape so hard for a literal, like, dictator. So, people who do that suck. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I did not know it was that person. (laughs) But yeah, Savvy Twitter has been calling this out. Yeah. I don't know. Garbage. Garbage. Wow. Mm -hmm. Garbage clown behavior. That's all the times for you. Always being (laughs) (laughs) anti-Salvadorian. Yep. Man, basura, or as my little two-year-old says, "sura." <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Yes, thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we hope this is one less historia unknown for you. Yes, bye. Thank you. Bye.